0: Section thirty four of Character. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Character by Samuel Smiles. Chapter ten. Part A. Companionship of Books. Quote, Books, we know, are a substantial world. Both pure and good, round which, with tendrils strong as flesh and blood, our pastime and our happiness can grow. End quote. Wordsworth. Quote, Not only in the common speech of men, but in all art too, which is or should be the concentrated and conserved essence of what man can speak and show, biography is almost the one thing needful. Carlyle. I read all biographies with intense interest. Even a man without a heart, like Cavendish, I think about and read about and dream about and picture to myself in all possible ways till he grows into a living being beside me and I put my feet into his shoes and become for the first time Cavendish and think as he thought and do as he did. George Wilson. Quote, my thoughts are with the dead, with them I live in long past years, their virtues love, their faults condemn, partake their hopes and fears, and from their lessons seek and find instruction with a humble mind. End quote. Sethi. A man may usually be known by the books he reads, as well as by the company he keeps. For there is a companionship of books as well as of men, and one should always live in the best company, whether it be of books or of men. A good book may be among the best of friends. It is the same to-day that it always was, and it will never change. It is the most patient and cheerful of companions. It does not turn its back upon us in times of adversity or distress. It always receives us with the same kindness Amusing and instructing us in youth, and comforting and consoling us in age. Men often discover their affinity to each other by the mutual love they have for a book, just as two persons sometimes discover a friend by the admiration which both entertain for a third. There is an old proverb, Love me, love my dog. But there is more wisdom in this, Love me, love my book. The book is a truer and higher bond of union. Men can think, feel, and sympathize with each other through their favorite author. They live in him together, and he in them. Books, said Hazlitt, quote, wind into the heart. The poet's verse slides into the current of our blood. We read them when young, we remember them when old. We read there of what has happened to others. We feel that it has happened to ourselves. They are to be had everywhere cheap and good. We breathe but the air of books. We owe everything to their authors, on this side, barbarism. A good book is often the best urn of a life, enshrining the best thoughts of which that life was capable. For the world of a man's life is, for the most part, but the world of his thoughts. Thus the best books are treasuries of good words and golden thoughts, which, remembered and cherished, become our abiding companions and comforters, they are never alone said sir philip sidney that are accompanied by noble thoughts the good and true thought may in time of temptation be as an angel of mercy purifying and guarding the soul it also enshrines the germs of action for good words almost invariably inspire to good works Thus Sir Henry Lawrence prized, above all other compositions, Wordsworth's Character of the Happy Warrior, which he endeavoured to embody in his own life. It was ever before him as an exemplar. He thought of it continually, and often quoted it to others. His biographer says, quote, He tried to conform his own life and to assimilate his own character to it, and he succeeded, as all men succeed who are truly in earnest, End quote books possess an essence of immortality they are by far the most lasting products of human effort temples crumble into ruin pictures and statues decay but books survive time is of no account with great thoughts which are as fresh to-day as when they first passed through their authors minds ages ago what was then said in thought still speaks to us as vividly as ever from the printed page the only effect of time has been to sift and winnow out the bad products for nothing in literature can long survive but what is really good books introduce us to the best society they bring us into the presence of the greatest minds that have ever lived we hear what they said and did we see them as if they were really alive we are participators in their thoughts we sympathize with them enjoy with them grieve with them their experience becomes ours and we feel as if we were in a measure actors with them in the scenes which they describe. The great and good do not die, even in this world. Embalmed in books their spirits walk abroad. The book is a living voice. It is an intellect to which one still listens. Hence we ever remain under the influence of the great men of old. The dead but sceptred sovereigns who still rule our spirits from their urns. The imperial intellects of the world are as much alive now as they were ages ago. Homer still lives, and though his personal history is hidden in the mists of antiquity, his poems are as fresh today as if they had been newly written. Plato still teaches his transcendent philosophy. Horace, Virgil, and Dante still sing as when they lived. Shakespeare is not dead. His body was buried in 1616. But his mind is as much alive in England now, and his thought as far-reaching as in the time of the Tudors. The humblest and poorest may enter the society of these great spirits without being thought intrusive. All who can read have got the entree. Would you laugh? Cervantes or Rabelais will laugh with you. Do you grieve? There is Thomas Kempis or Jeremy Taylor to grieve with and console you. Always it is to books and the spirits of great men embalmed in them that we turn, for entertainment, for instruction and solace, in joy and in sorrow, as in prosperity and in adversity. Man himself is, of all things in the world, the most interesting to man. Whatever relates to human life, its experiences, its joys, its sufferings, its achievements, has usually attractions for him beyond all else. Each man is more or less interested in all other men as his fellow-creatures, as members of the great family of humankind, and the larger a man's culture the wider is the range of his sympathies in all that affects the welfare of his race. Men's interest in each other as individuals manifests itself in a thousand ways, in the portraits which they paint, in the busts which they carve, in the narratives which they relate of each other. Man, says Emerson, can paint or make or think nothing but man. Most of all is this interest shown in the fascination which personal history possesses for him. Man's sociality of nature, says Carlyle, evinces itself, in spite of all that can be said, with abundance of evidence, by this one fact, were there no other. The unspeakable delight he takes in biography. End quote great indeed is the human interest felt in biography what are all the novels that find such multitudes of readers but so many fictitious biographies what are the dramas that people crowd to see but so much acted biography strange that the highest genius should be employed on the fictitious biography and so much commonplace ability on the real Yet the authentic picture of any human being's life and experience ought to possess an interest greatly beyond that which is fictitious inasmuch as it has the charm of reality. Every person may learn something from the recorded life of another, and even comparatively trivial deeds and sayings may be invested with interest as being the outcome of the lives of such beings as we ourselves are. The records of the lives of good men are especially useful. They influence our hearts, inspire us with hope, and set before us great examples. And when men have done their duty through life in a great spirit, their influence will never wholly pass away. The good life, says George Herbert, is never out of season. Goethe has said that there is no man so commonplace that a wise man may not learn something from him sir walter scott could not travel in a coach without gleaning some information or discovering some new trait of character in his companions dr johnson once observed that there was not a person in the streets but he should like to know his biography his experiences of life his trials his difficulties his successes and his failures How much more truly might this be said of the men who have made their mark in the world's history, and have created for us that great inheritance of civilization of which we are the possessors? Whatever relates to such men, to their habits, their manners, their modes of living, their personal history, their conversation, their maxims, their virtues, or their greatness, is always full of interest, of instruction, of encouragement, and of example. The great lesson of biography is to show what man can be and do at his best. A noble life put fairly on record acts like an inspiration to others. It exhibits what life is capable of being made. It refreshes our spirit, encourages our hopes, gives us new strength and courage and faith, faith in others as well as in ourselves. It stimulates our aspirations, rouses us to action, and incites us to become co-partners with them in their work. To live with such men in their biographies, and to be inspired by their example, is to live with the best of men, and to mix in the best of company. At the head of all biographies stands the great biography, the Book of Books. And what is the Bible, the most sacred and impressive of all books, the educator of youth, the guide of manhood, and the consoler of age, but a series of biographies of great heroes and patriarchs prophets kings and judges culminating in the greatest biography of all the life embodied in the new testament how much have the great examples there set forth done for mankind how many have drawn from them their truest strengths their highest wisdom their best nurture and admonition Truly does a great Roman Catholic writer describe the Bible as a book whose words live in the ear like a music that can never be forgotten, like the sound of church bells which the convert hardly knows how he can forego. Its felicities often seem to be almost things rather than mere words. It is part of the national mind, and the anchor of national seriousness. The memory of the dead passes into it, the potent traditions of childhood are stereotyped in its verses. The power of all the griefs and trials of man is hidden beneath its words. It is the representative of his best moments, and all that has been about him of soft and gentle and pure and penitent and good, speaks to him forever out of his English Bible. It is his sacred thing which no doubt has ever dimmed and controversy never soiled. In the length and breadth of the land there is not a Protestant with one spark of religiousness about him whose spiritual biography is not in his Saxon Bible." End quote. It would indeed be difficult to overestimate the influence which the lives of the great and good have exercised upon the elevation of human character. The best biography, says Isaac Disraeli, is a reunion with human existence in its most excellent state. Indeed, it is impossible for one to read the lives of good men, much less inspired men, without becoming unconsciously lighted and lifted up in them, and growing insensibly nearer to what they thought and did. And even the lives of humbler persons, of men of faithful and honest spirit, who have done their duty in life well, are not without an elevating influence upon the character of those who come after them. History itself is best studied in biography. Indeed, history is biography, collective humanity as influenced and governed by individual men. What is all history, says Emerson, but the work of ideas, a record of the incomparable energy which his infinite aspirations infuse into man? In its pages it is always persons we see more than principles. Historical events are interesting to us mainly in connection with the feelings, the sufferings, and interest of those by whom they are accomplished. In history, we are surrounded by men long dead, but whose speech and whose deeds survive. We almost catch the sound of their voices, and what they did constitutes the interest of history. We never feel personally interested in masses of men, but we feel and sympathize with the individual actors, whose biographies afford the finest and most real touches in all great historical dramas. End of section thirty four.